kind of like lighted roads, like how that's Charlotte's stick and how you can't see at night and you almost die. Like that's that's what that is. You guys have never lived in Knoxville, Tennessee. Is it awful? There are zero lights. Well, I grew up in Catawba County. We didn't have many lights there, but at the same time, I feel like Charlotte is awful for it being a big city. They just decided, you know what, we're going to invest in a lot of lights, but we're not going to put the lines on the road. Not visible, at least. They saved them all for the buildings. <laughs> they did. Yeah, that's they did. true. They did save them all for the buildings. I lived my whole life for this growing up in Catawba County, though. Claremont, <laughs> North Carolina. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Represent. <laughs> You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We live. Welcome to the Locked On Hornets Podcast. Walker Mail, Nada Edwards, Doug Branson here with you. Find us all on Twitter at Walker Mail, at Nada the Scribe, and at Doug Branson LOH. And you can find the show's handle at Locked On Hornets. You can find it on most social media platforms. We got Chris Kroger coming up here in just a few minutes. So a big thanks to him for joining the podcast once again. We'll take a look ahead again, just a little bit more about the Philadelphia game that we have on Saturday. And uh, maybe just go around the rest of the NBA. Jimmy Butler making his debut last night and a loss to Steve Clifford in the Orlando Magic, should I say the eight-seeded Orlando Magic as it currently stands now. Yeah. So a couple of interesting things to get to here in just a moment, including Chris Kroger in just a few minutes. He should be joining us at the top of the show here today. Uh, first things first, though, we talked about the T-shirt yesterday. I got my copy. It was awesome. Love the T-shirt. And it looks like Lockdown Hornets has been blessed with the media dropped off here today. Yeah. Yes, we are giving away our shirt. I am not getting this shirt. I am very upset about not getting this shirt. <laughs> guys, Brian, I know you guys are listening. I would like a shirt at some point. I'd like something to commemorate my year being credentialed. You, you know? are shameless. Yes. This is, he's taking advantage. Of, this is what's happening right now. He is taking advantage. Pod Dad. He is taking right. advantage of our show <laughs> to gain free swag. Yeah, it's, it's an awesome shirt. I'd be honest with you. If I didn't have one already serving through two media outlets, I guess, through the Hornets, I would contemplate taking a shirt. And I apologize. Pod Dad is not acting like a responsible dad here. You would take one from the 7,500 fans (laughs) that would have an opportunity to get their their shirt. I I feel like 700 or 7,499, that would be okay. I feel like maybe they could do the rest, and maybe I would just have mine. Uh, The best thing about this T-shirt? Yeah. Got to be Gerald Wallace, right? That we talked about that. I thought it was the pinstripe. It's still fine enough with just the white jersey. But Gerald Wallace is great. Um, and also, Nada has a take about the way that Glenn Rice looks. Is that right? How does like? Here's here's my issue. Why does Glenn Rice look like Kanye West? Did Sarah Palin design this shirt or something Whoa. like that? Oh, it does kind of look like Kanye. And usually, yeah, usually, yes, he does look Kanye. Usually, you can kind of clown the way that some of these animated faces have looked. And you see the bobbleheads all the time. Like, mm-hmm. oftentimes, the bobbleheads don't necessarily look exactly like the guy that they're trying to implement. I feel like they did a pretty good job on most of the faces. Glenn Rice does kind of look like Kanye. Yes. I think I think the best – Kemba doesn't look like Kemba a whole lot. Kemba doesn't look like Kemba, but you know who really looks alike yeah, when you I, look it's, at the It's shirt? the best one, right? All right, it's Del Curry, right? Del and Alonzo it, look alike. And Del, Del Curry, to me, 
I think Del Curry, they were spot on. Like, that is Del Curry in our studio right now as we speak. Yeah, I mean, again, 20 years younger, but yes. Baron Davis, I think they did a great job with as well. Yeah, Baron Davis... Baron Davis looks like Master Ace, though, in this. <laughs> I think he looks like Baron Davis. Al Jefferson, a pretty good job. The T-shirt's awesome as a whole. Just we do have Kanye West instead of Glenn Rice joining. Yeah, I wonder exactly. If, hey, Sarah Con- Palin designed the shirt. Uh, okay. will, Con- will Kanye be in the building at the Spectrum Center? I doubt it. Philadelphia 76ers, when they come to town, will Kanye be there? Yeah, I doubt it, too. I would, I would certainly doubt him. Coming up to support the Charlotte Hornets. If you want to support our show and the amazing people that put it together, consider joining our Patreon community for as little as $1 a month. You can help us keep making the Daily Hornets content that you've come to trust. Go to patreon.com slash LOH. There's a link in the description of this episode. You can get entered into our contest for free bobbleheads and tickets and get access to content before anyone else that the bobbleheads and tickets might go to Nada if he takes them. I'll keep an eye on them. Oh, unless you do subscribe to our Patreon, and then we'll try to get it to you. No, you subscribe to the Patreon. You're essentially paying me, so <laughs> you know right. what? That's okay. You guys can get it. Yeah, Patreon that, people are, yeah, y'all good money with me. That makes Literally. a little bit more sense. Patreon.com slash LOH. Every dollar goes to making this the best Hornets talk in all of Charlotte. We'll be back after the break with Chris Kroger joining us here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. And that was also a connection of a connection because the new Carolina Panthers owner, David Tepper, looks like the guy trying to defuse the bomb at the elementary school and die hard with a vengeance, which I thought looked like John Hurd, a.k.a. Kevin McAllister's dad. A.K.A. Peter McAllister. I never would have got that. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Welcome back to the Locked on Hornets podcast. We'll now head over to the guest line with the voice of the Charlotte Hornets, Chris Kroger. You can find him on Twitter at Kroger, and you can listen to him on the call every single Hornets game on WFNZ. Also can check out the stream on Hornets.com. Also catch his podcast, Courtside Seats, on your podcast app. He does it all, and we appreciate the time he's carved out here for us. Chris, thanks so much for joining the show, man. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. It's good to be back home for a little homestand span in the holidays. Yeah, and you've been very busy. How have the uh, four, first 14 games gone for you so far in your first little stint here as the voice of the Charlotte Hornet? Has anything come about unexpectedly, or has everything pretty much been what you assumed it would be? No, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, it's great to have Matt Carroll along, along uh, more often than not. You know, In the years past, he really only called games at home just given his work schedule, and now that he's traveling with the team more now as part of the support staff on some of these longer road trips that go about five, six, seven-plus days, uh, he's on the road. So I get to have a broadcast partner with me on the road, which is always helpful for a rookie. And, uh, yeah, I just think we're having fun. You know, We really try to uh, do our own thing. You know, I'm not Steve. I'll never be Steve. And so he always had a real signature sound to his broadcast, which was just so easy to listen to. And, uh, you know, for me, I, I just kind of wanted to bring that passion that I think everybody know, knows that I have and that energy that everybody knows that I have and try to bring it over the air through the speaker. And so hopefully it's infectious because we try to have fun every game. No, it is, Chris. It's been fun to listen to you. And again, it's not just through the broadcast, but then uh, also, like I said, you have your podcast going on as well. Again, courtside seats. And you've gotten a lot of guys through the Charlotte Hornets organization to be on the podcast with you. Have you had a favorite interview so far? 
Oh, man, that's tough. You know what? I didn't get to spend as much time as I would have wanted to him because I kind of feel like he's our international man of mystery. But I had fun with Jay Triano. That episode came out a couple weeks ago, and uh, he's just got an awesome story. And I thought it was so cool. And he said, you know what? I got lucky. I grew up 100 yards on the right side of the river, which, you know, the Niagara Falls River, uh, he, <laughs> right. he grew up on the other side. He grew up in Ontario. And so, he, you know, he readily admits if he grew up on the other side in America that uh, he doesn't think he would have been the type of basketball player that he was. He certainly wouldn't have played in the Olympics. And so uh, he recognizes that. He just put a new book out talking about Canadian basketball. So he's such an inter- interesting guy. He got to coach his home country team in the NBA, the Toronto Raptors, and he grew up in Ontario. And I, I just find all that so fascinating. So he's been a lot of fun. And, um, I, you know, Kemba he's always so adamant about how he feels about Charlotte and where he wants to be, you know, for the rest of his career. But some of the things that he told me face to face, uh, were just stronger than I've ever heard before. And and the way that he described it too, is just so interesting to me. And I would have never expected him to say it the way that he said it and to feel kind of the passion and the energy and the conviction in his voice when he was sitting five feet in front of me, I think made it all that much more real. But, you know, he, he said one thing to me, which really stuck out when he said, you know, people want to talk about me staying as a Hornet, but he said, you know, my fear is what if I leave and the team has success without me? And so we think a lot of times about a player saying, oh, I want to be a part of this or I want to be a part of that. But Kemba, one of the most, you know, lethal guys in the NBA in, in finishing time says, what if a team leaves and they're better without me. And so you think about it from that standpoint, yeah, I guess as a competitor, you don't want to think about that, right? You don't want a team to have success without you. So I just find all that so fascinating. And so we try to do that with the podcast. We dive a little bit deeper and just have some real conversations with people. Yeah, I, I want to talk about Kimba, Chris. It, looking at Kimba Walker and what he's done this season, did you expect Kimba could take a step like this? Like, sure, the Cleveland game wasn't the greatest, but overall, the guy has been phenomenal. Did you expect that Kimba still had this kind of level up in him? I did, if only if only for the fact that I thought 25-5-5 seemed like that was really possible for him. Because, you know, he's always actually been a pretty decent rebounder, especially given his size. You know, he's always hanging around the last couple of years around four, four and a half rebounds a game, and he's at 4.3 this year. His assist numbers are up. This would be the best of his career. He's had 7.7 over the last three games, so the shooting's been down. He's still finding ways to impact the game, and he's averaging uh, nearly six and a half on the year. So I really thought 25-5-5, if everything went well, entirely possible and realistic but obviously when he was second in the nba and scoring uh through really until going into uh the middle of this road trip uh, nobody saw this coming second in the nba and three pointers made but i really thought what jb was going to do to take kemba off the ball and allow him to just take shots high volume shots good looks to quality looks Kemba is, you know, as much as you want to talk about what he is as a point guard, i think he's kind of the epitome of what uh you know, a lethal efficient volume shooter and scorer should be in the NBA. You know, he's kind of our version of Steph Curry and all the numbers say, you know, he's just a few ticks below him. So I'm not surprised that his numbers are up what they were in the first two to three weeks of the season. though. that was, that was something to behold because early, very early, he put himself into the outside conversation of, Hey, let's keep an eye on him. Maybe as a sneaky MVP candidate as the season goes on. So Chris, you're obviously in practice every day. Has the growth of miles bridges surprised you? Uh, maybe, maybe how quickly it's come. You know, I think we saw him in summer league and we saw, okay, this guy's a bully physically in those games, you're just bigger, faster, stronger than everybody else. And then you see him in the NBA during the preseason, same stuff, right? And then you see him in the regular season 
and he still pops. You know, every time he steps onto the court, he pops. See, whether you're there live or you're watching at home, you just see he's of a different talent level. And I remember Mitch Kupchak used the term uh, that he's sprinkled with a special gold dust. You know, he's, he's told me there's a few guys that are just born with that extra ability, and I think you see that with Miles. Um, so I'm, I am surprised that he's been doing this so quickly so early, and he's still got so much more room to grow. You know, he makes mistakes as he should. He's a rookie, and that's the scary part is what, what, once this guy gets what he's supposed to be doing defensively, consistently, and he's going to let the game come to him, I think it's a scary notion for the NBA because I think the Hornets, without a doubt, got one of the best picks from this draft class. We're just 14 games the way through of the season, and yet I still feel like we have enough of a sample size to ask you this question, Chris. Do you have a favorite Miles Bridges dunk so far on the season? I mean, I think the one on the baseline here at Spectrum Center uh, a few weeks ago was pretty wild. I mean, he just, you know, Billy pulls down the rebound and he says, here you go, young fellow, just go throw it down. I mean, I, the, the veracity and the sheer energy and effort and power that he dunks with. You know, I asked Jeremy Lamb about this a couple weeks ago. I said, Jay Lamb, what makes Miles such a dominant dunker? Because I think the fact that he jumps off two feet is part of it. And Jeremy said, no, that's stupid. That's got nothing to do with it. <laughs> he said, it's just, it's the sheer power that he dunks with. He says, he's trying to hurt people. Like, he's literally trying to break the rim every time he dunks. And, uh, you know, you saw him literally go to the deck after he, after he flushed that thing through the cylinder. So that one was pretty special. And the one in Detroit, I I think you're starting to see this, right? And I forget who it was, forgive me for this, but somebody was on in the lane in Detroit. It might have been Stanley Johnson. I, I can't remember who it was. I think it was, was Reggie Jackson, actually. <laughs> Reggie Jackson cleared out of the way, right? And you're starting to see guys, because he's th- he's dunking so thunderously, guys say, I'm making a business decision. I'm not going to stand in the way of that. So I think when you start to think, that's the growth in this game, too, I think, is once you start to see him crashing the glass consistently and the ability where you've got to mark him at all times, right? You can't leave him unmarked. You've got to keep a body on him. I think that just opens up stuff for his teammates as well. So, yeah, he's he's been he's been special. He is, I, you know, this is you got to be careful about this, but you do start to see the Larry Johnson comparisons from just a sheer strength standpoint. Like he's got a power to his game that I think is just rare in today's NBA. He's got bounce and athleticism, but he's just got so much strength in his body, and he attacks the rim so hard. All right, taking this off of the court for one more question, but I know you've been on these road trips. I know you're a foodie. What's the best spot you've been to so far on some of these road trips? Oh, that's good. You know, we actually got a, a dinner. I, I got to have dinner with Mitch the other day when we were in uh, in Detroit, and uh, we went to Hyde Park Steaks. And, you know, Hyde Park, they always name. There's a few of those in the, in the Midwest and a couple other places, I think, in the Northeast. But great steakhouse. Uh, we had a back room, and we were just talking. You know, Mitch, I just find him to be so fascinating because he'll just talk, and he'll just he'll ask you questions. He always wants to know about everybody else, but also storytelling. He can storytell with the best of them. But we went to Hyde Park, and, uh, yeah, I had an awesome ribeye and just was there blue the cheese on this steak? Croaks. <laughs> no, there, I was keeping it simple. There was no blue cheese, just loads of butter. It was cooked medium rare. Uh, it was perfect, and loads of Brussels sprouts. I've become a Brussels sprouts guy recently. Uh, Hornets' thirtieth anniversary team, Chris. They'll make an appearance during the 76ers game on Saturday. Besides LJ and Al Jefferson, they're not going to be on the court uh, getting commended for um, along with the other guys there. But Chris, did the fans get this right? What is Chris Kroger's top ten Hornets list, and how would you change from what the list? that you've seen here voted on by the fans. 
Okay, I'm going to have my cake and eat it too, all right? Because all right. I'm going to say the fans did get, it, did get it right because there were ultimately no criteria for this. This was fan voting, as you said, and so every fan's got a different idea of what they remember about a player. What makes a player great? Is it personality? Is it play on the court? Is it longevity? Is it doing it for a short span at a really high level? And so that's the interesting part about Hornets history. You know, outside of Muggsy, Kemba, Gerald, and Dell, there really aren't a lot of guys that sustain things for a long, long time at a high level. And so I think that's why we always revered those guys in particular. Everybody else, it was two years here, three years here, maybe a couple of stints uh, where you think about a guy like Kendall Gill, who had two stints here. I, I always think of Hersey Hawkins. I think he's always underrated in Hornets history. He was great elsewhere, too. Uh, but Hersey was really great in, in his first stint. He was pretty solid when he came back a second time. But in my opinion, and this is in no order, okay, I'm not ranking the 10. I'm just going to give you my 10, okay? That's all right. All right. So I'm going to go chronologically because it makes it easier to remember it this way for me. But I'm going to say Dell and Muggsy, who are your two longest tenured Hornets of all time. So I go them. Uh, and then I say uh, Alonzo and Larry. I then get into Glenn Rice, Anthony Mason. I'm going to say Gerald Wallace, who's top five in almost every major statistical category in Hornets history. I go Emeka Okafor, who was a rookie of the year All right. the season as well. People forget that. And he's a, he averaged essentially a double-double every year he was in Charlotte. He's the all-time leading rebounder still in franchise history. There's something to be said for that. And then... On top of that, you got to go Kemba. And, and here's my wild card here. Okay, you ready for this? Here's my 10th guy, my wild I'll card. I want to hear this. David Wesley. David Wesley is the most criminally underrated Hornet in team history. He was a guy that spanned the two winningest iterations of Hornets basketball. When you think of that 10-year run where the Hornets had at least 500 basketball or better, a bulk of those years came when it was Glenn Rice, Anthony Mason, David Wesley, Del Curry, high-flying, high-scoring Hornets teams that won 50-plus games a couple of times. Unfortunately, they never got high enough. The East was so good. I think the highest they ever got was a sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. So they're always one and done in the playoffs. And then when you get that next iteration with a young Baron Davis, David was the veteran guy in the backcourt with him, P.J. Brown, Jamal Mashburn, Eldon Campbell, you go up and down the list. And those teams pushed Milwaukee to, to a seventh game and really were up 3-2 in the 2001 Eastern Conference semis. In Charlotte, they lost the game, lost game seven in Milwaukee, so they never advanced to the Eastern Conference Finals. But that was the furthest we'd ever seen a Hornets team progress in the playoffs. So David Wesley could shoot the ball. He could handle the ball. He was a great defender. He was a great leader, and he did it for a sustained period of time. So David Wesley, for me, beyond a shadow of a doubt, deserves to be in the top ten. So I'm going more off of merit in what you did on the court. Uh, but th- those are my 10 guys I hear, in no uncertain order. Yeah, I, I've battled for David Wesley. A uh, couple wild cards in there with Emeka Okafor in the top 10. But also, I knew Anthony Mason was going to be in there from you. Like, that's your guy, right? Like, is that one of your favorite Hornets of all time? Yeah, Glenn and Mason. I, I just remember that run of Hornets basketball. Really, you know, and, and I get the romanticizing, and it's it's for good reason. That goes on with the original run when we beat the Celtics uh, in that first playoff series victory. But when you think about who really took the thing to the next level, it was that iteration of Hornets hardball and how they played. They were high scoring. Glenn Rice was a three time All Star. He was an All Star game MVP. Still holds a, a, an All Star record for the most points in a quarter. He did it off the bench too. Dell was so great. 
Rice was great, obviously, as a scorer. But Anthony Mason, if he played in today's game, he would be Draymond Green on steroids. Like, the guy could guard any position. He could pound you down low. He could step out. He could handle the rock. He could bring it out up and down the court. I, I just loved Mason, and his game was almost a bit of ahead of its time. But I think Anthony Mason gets forgotten because maybe more people think of him as a Nick. But I think of Anthony Mason and how dominant he was here in Charlotte as a Hornet, too. All right, great stuff from Chris Kroger. Once again, the voice of the Charlotte Hornets. We appreciate him joining us here uh, with us on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Chris, thanks so much, man, and enjoy the game on Saturday and getting to see all of those guys that we love so much here with the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, it's going to be great, guys. It's good to talk to you. And can I leave you with a bit of Hornets trivia? Maybe you guys can answer it after I get off the air. I would love it. Yes, yes. please. Go ahead. Okay. Do you, do you know the only Hornet to be a starter in an All-Star game? The only... God almighty. Ooh. I I can't. I'm trying to think. Like, Glenn Rice this obviously... This trivia came, for you. Yeah, no, it is. He came off of... Glenn Rice came off of the bench. Gerald Wallace came off of the bench. Those are the last two recent ones. Uh, would it be a Baron Davis? I'll go Baron Davis. Anybody else? Correct. Eddie Jones. Oh, oh, was that right? Eddie was Jones there? is the answer. Yeah. Oh, Eddie Jones is nice the answer. Yeah, oh, I got nice it right there at the buzzer. Right. Oh, I got it at the buzzer. It's snuck it's in. It's under review. Oh, he got it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's a good job. No, that was tough. And, man, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, Kimba Walker just might do it this season. He might. I think he might. All right, Chris. Thanks so much for joining us here, man. We appreciate it. All right, guys. Thanks again, once again, to Chris Kroger. Again, you can catch all those broadcasts, him being the voice of the Charlotte Hornets on WFNZ, or you can stream it on Hornets.com. Also check out his podcast, Courtside Seats, and you can check that out on your podcast app. Great stuff. A lot of interesting interviews that he does that you can go. You can If you want to get inside the arena, if you want to just shoot the you-know-what with any of the guys that are a part of this Charlotte Hornets organization. That's what Chris Kroger is doing, and I think that stuff is more fascinating than breaking down any kind of game during the regular season. Okay, so I'm going to tell a little story. So when that Kemba Walker episode of his came out, I was, I've been, anyone that, again, you know, I've been trying to get a Kemba feature for Dime for at least the last six months. <laughs> I listened to that, that uh, I listened to that piece. I listened to what he did. And I sent him a text. I was like, I hate you right now because you've mm-hmm. given me no reason to do a feature piece on Kemba Walker. Like, he killed it with him. Yeah, That's did, how good that episode was. Yeah, he did a phenomenal job. As always, again, Chris Kroger did with the uh, courtside seats on the podcast app that you can check out all about the Charlotte Hornets. We're coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do. That's make more sales. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with more stuff just going around the NBA. It's Walker Mail, Nada Edwards, and Doug Branson. You're listening to the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. 10, Al Jefferson. 9, Anthony Mason. 8, Gerald Wallach. 7, Baron Davis. 6, Dale Curry. 5, Glenn Rice. 4, Muggsy Bogues. 3, Larry Johnson. 2, Alonzo Mourning. Nice. Number 1, top Charlotte Hornet of all time, Kimba Walker. Thank you, everybody. The list is done. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Mecca Okafor getting in the top 10 for Chris Kroger's top 10 Hornets of all time list. That's the most surprising. That's right? the most surprising one. That's the one that's going to get his mentions firebomb when they hear that. Yeah, like even David Wesley. Look, I, I know we had our arguments. I was the one that was high on David Wesley. You guys came yeah, at me with you your got Jamal your Mashburn. Bias. Right. You guys wanted Jamal Mashburn in there. But 
and Mecca Okafor probably like he he acted like David Wesley was going to be the bomb that was dropped on the list, but it was a Mecca Okafor to me that was the most surprising. I'm fine with the Wesley pick. I feel like that's the hardcore Hornets fan pick. That's I mean he there was just an affinity for that Wesley Baron Davis backcourt. I mean that that was a backcourt. When you say it out loud, doesn't sound like it would have given teams trouble, but it really did. I mean, those two on the court at the same time uh, really uh, gave teams an issue. Although I did have Emeka ahead of David Wesley in my list. So I had David Wesley 14, Emeka 13. I had Eddie Jones 12, Kendall Gill 11, and then the rest of the top 10. I guess I had Mason in the top 10. I had him at 9, and the Hornets fans voted Kendall Gill in the top 10. And for those that are disappointed that Chris would not rank them, do remember, he still has to work with both Kimball Walker and Delker. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I knew that, and I still wanted to see if we could get some kind of top 10. Not to get that he would get in trouble. We got a 10 yeah, we got a 10. That's what I wanted, right? I, I wanted to see if he would maybe put somebody out, and he did. He, he brought in Anthony Mason in his top 10. He took out Al Jefferson. Yeah, he did take out Al Jefferson. Out East, Philadelphia, Orlando, uh, those two teams going at it last night. It was Jimmy Butler's debut with the Philadelphia 76ers, and Philadelphia drops that one to Steve Clifford and company. Terrence Ross hitting a big shot to, I believe, send that game into overtime. At least it tied that game up, and then eventually Orlando would go on to win. They're now the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference if the playoffs were to start today, and Philadelphia still the fifth seed. But maybe some things to work out, of course, when you get a new star in. What do you guys think of Jimmy Butler's debut, and just what do you think ultimately will happen uh, as the season goes on? Basically, Philly doesn't have a structure yet because, again, it's game one of Jimmy Butler. Now, does that make you feel a little bit better about Saturday? Maybe a little bit because their bench still is an issue. Markel Fultz will still be an issue. And low-key, if you start looking at the games against Detroit and then later against Orlando, they have issues closing similar to the Hornets. So they they may be in a little bit of trouble. See, I think moving Fultz to the bench actually helps Philly. I think it gives them a little scoring pop uh, that that they need, especially if Reddick's not on the floor. I thought Butler looked comfortable. He hit a couple of shots early on. He, he certainly looked deferential. You know, there were all these jokes about how Butler was going to come in and basically treat him, treat the Sixers like the Wolves, and just make fun of everybody and and you know bust everyone in practice, but. You know he was giving the ball up and and playing good defense. I think he uh, he he held his man to like four of twelve on the night. Uh, I, th- I think he was guarding Fournier. Fournier had a bad night. So that's everything you want from Butler. I, I mean it. It gave me promise, I think, that that Philly could figure things out with him. Well, I, I love the comment from Jimmy Butler. After one game, he said, so far, we're all getting along. <laughs> yes, so what? far. Yes, so so far. far. Like, Why would you drop so far in there and it's just one game? Because so far, I think we're getting, all, uh, we're all getting along pretty well. No, that's a so Shocker. far. No, that's a so far. That's like, pay me and I'll behave. If you don't give me my max, I won't behave. It's very simple. Uh, Embiid and Butler is going to be the two personalities that everyone is interested in to see how they mesh. Because, oh, no. Well, Embiid, at least me, because I, the one thing about Embiid that is different than a lot of things are different from Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns as far as personality goes, but Embiid wants to win. He wants to destroy you a lot like Jimmy Butler does. And so I wonder right. if those two alpha dog mentalities coexist or if they both want to be the alpha Doug's dog. Doug's going where, I, where I'm... Well, I think, I think they do coexist, and I'll go back to what I said in the last show when we talked about KD and Draymond, and I made the point that I, I think the two types of ego that don't coexist are the type of ego that doesn't care what anyone else thinks and the type of ego that does and that's what you have with KD and Draymond you know Embiid and and Butler they don't care what anyone thinks about them so I think those two egos can actually coexist it's Simmons that I worry about it's Simmons and Butler 
Simmons only had what seven, five, and three in a loss. How long do you think Jimmy's going to put up with that? No, I, I Simmons, I worry about a little bit. I just kind of worry about Simmons's play too. Like that, that's a guy you you might be able to figure out. I mean, the guy can't shoot. You drop everybody in. He got exposed in the playoffs. Yeah. I just worry about his overall game, and then you start to worry about the Jimmy Butler effect if he's not as effective. And then Markel Fultz as well. Like that's the logical explanation and and decision solution is to put him to the bench because the guy just isn't as good as all of the other guys on the team. And at the same time, you understand Brett Brown's decision to try to make it work, right? Like it's your number one overall pick. You got to start him. He's a part of the process. He was supposed to be the last piece of the process. So you have to put him in the starting lineup and see if it works through the first 16, 15 games that they've played. It just didn't work out. And as far as coexisting goes, Ben and Fultz on the floor together. We talked about the stats. Yeah, it doesn't work out. And that's what I worry about. With that. Right. I'm interested to see how Philadelphia will finish up the season. And the good thing about it is it shouldn't affect the Charlotte Hornets playoff chances because Philly's going to finish ahead of them. So that's good news as far as the Charlotte Hornets go. Thanks for listening to the Lockdown Hornets podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Locked on Hornets. A big thanks once again to Chris Kroger for joining us on the pod today. We'll be back with you tomorrow for the last show of the week.